Welcome everyone to another episode of my uh, podcast and uh, I am delighted as always I start my podcast with delighted I need to uh, change that um, but I am delighted to have um, Jim Bloomfield on today and um, Jim is from Blue Jam um, Consulting Limited his own uh, business and his headline on LinkedIn which you know I always start with is developing strategic salespeople and business leaders because sales behavior not sales process drives revenue growth. An interesting concept, I um, I believe. Can you have one without the other? We'll soon find out. And if you read his about section, he says, to quote Daniel Pink, we're all in sales now, and yet how many people in client-facing roles imagine that selling would be critical to their success? Probably not many. Uh, Jim, interesting concepts there. Interesting, quite punchy statement. So um, I'll stop talking. Introduce yourself, who, what, why, when, where. And as my listeners know, we'll see where this takes us. Sure. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on on the series. Um, yeah. So my background is uh, leadership uh, assessment and development um, for a number of uh, wide range of, of sort of corporate clients. And the focus, when you look at, at leaders, is very much on leadership and leadership behaviour. Um, we wanted to to sort of explore that in a sales context with with our clients. So um, we uh, take that sort of insight and focus on behaviour and uh, look at what does good look like in, in sales, in particular B2B sales, where there's a, a complex sales process involved? Perfect. And of course, when we talk about behavior, we're not, uh, I just have the, the um, life of Brian quote coming in when, um, you know, he's been a very naughty boy. <laughs> about, you know, the right behaviors in terms of, um, you know, what needs to be done when um, during, a, during a sales process, dare I say, I have no idea why that popped into my head. It's been a, <laughs> like a long week. It's only a, what day are we, Wednesday um, today. Uh, so um, let's kind of build on that then. What, 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 yeah, yeah. Do, what do we actually mean by behavior? When I've been in, in, in the game for well, it's 20 years now, showing my, showing my age, but let's unpack that a little bit. What do we actually mean by behavior versus process because some people may see them as, as, as the same thing yeah and and you know of course there there's some links between the two but the behavior is really about what the what the salesperson brings uh, in terms of their own capability personality motivations um to a sales role and and you know our view of that would be that you can have people that 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 are very different in a sales role that are that are equally successful and what we need to do is unpick and, and try and understand well what are the behaviors mm-hmm. that are underlying perhaps some of the stuff that you see on the surface that might on the face of it look quite different if you compare salesperson a versus salesperson b so how do you how do you go about um doing that and i i reflect on my time certainly at pwc for example and, and in and law firm blp when some of the the high performing partners or even high performing salespeople back in my recruitment days but if i sort of think that 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 far sometimes they couldn't really articulate why they were doing what they were doing there was like well i just i just do it so how, how do you yeah you at your business start to unpick why people are exhibiting a certain mm. behavior to achieve an outcome even if they don't even know themselves or understand themselves why they're doing it yeah, well, I suppose the, the sort of boring answer is um, as a business psychology uh, firm, then we employ some business psychology techniques to try and unpick some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, when, we, when we've worked with um, clients, what we were noticing with salespeople working in very different uh, industries, selling very different products and services, is actually when you talk to them and ask them what they do, how they do it, and 
crucially why they do things in that way. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's lots of similarity in terms of some of the responses that you okay. were getting when you analyze those behaviors. So, you know, why do why do people operate in a in a sales world? What do they enjoy doing? A lot of the the answers at a very high level are about helping the client, mm -hmm. providing great quality um, service. Um, you know, and, and so some of those things that you might um, expect a salesperson to say, which is, you know, I do it because I want to make money. Of course, that's a, that is a motivation, but it's not necessarily the first motivation or the key motivator. Yeah, and that's that's interesting in, in its own right, because if you kind of if, if, if one looks at the, the the narrative in in sales more in SaaS B2B what I'm seeing than necessarily, you know, professional services mm -hmm. sales, although we, we don't sell in professional services because it's a dirty word, although that is uh, yeah. <laughs> that is now changing. But if I look in, you know, the narrative I'm seeing in, in B2B SaaS tech over the last 12 to 18 months is that we don't want to talk to salespeople, SDRs, AEs, they, they don't add value, they're not helpful. Um, people kind of admit they fall into sales it's yeah. not necessarily, hey, I want to get in, in into sales. I myself kind of fell into uh, in, into sales purely because my late father was a software salesperson. And I thought, well, he's pretty good at what he does. It affords a comfortable lifestyle for us. So why not give it give it a go? And you know, here, here I am, how many uh, years later? So what, in terms of why do we think that is in terms of this? There still seems to be this disconnect between the buyer and the seller. Yet, if you're the, the high level research, your you, you see your responses, I want to help people. Yeah. Why is that then not necessarily translating in terms of what the, the perception is? Or have we just got into uh, this self fulfilling prophecy that all the research papers out there are just kind of bashing salespeople because it's the right thing to say because they sell more stuff when they're talking about kind of bad news and they sell more training off the bat rather than actually what is happening on the on the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th I think I think that's a massive question. I think there's tons of stuff going on there. I think you know it, it, in the UK we don't sort of value sales as a as a as a traditional kind mm -hmm. of route um, for a professional. It's kind of looked down on. So. Um, you know that, that you've sort of got that going on I think at an organizational level there's there's all the the sort of um, reward and re remuneration um, mm -hmm. schemes which sort of drive certain behaviors yeah. um, which may or may not be helpful uh, and then an, at an individual level you know as you said in certain sectors the word sales isn't even used even though actually what you're asking people to do is go out promote their business, promote their service line, promote their solution mm -hmm. and to originate business. But effectively those, those people are selling their technical skills. They just don't call it that, do they? Yeah, so, no. I, you know, I think there's lots going on there. So if, you know, just sales directors, marketing directors, you know, salespeople listening to this, uh, this podcast based on your, you know, your years of extensive of research up until I guess twelve to fifteen months ago, when we were in the normal uh, the normal yeah. world, what what are the key themes that you see? And I appreciate that you know at a more granular level, this is going to be slightly different, you know, for the types of roles, seniority, and so on. Mm -hmm. But just to give our listeners some some something they they can go on, what are the key themes that you see? that are, um, for those that are listening, I'm doing inverted commas, good sales behaviors yeah. to achieve the assumed outcome, which is, you know, closed one 
good business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we break it down into uh, three elements. So you have the, the sort of why, the what and the how. The why um, is the most interesting in my view, because it's the stuff that that is internal to the to the individual. So you're not going to necessarily see it if you're the, the sales manager or sales leader unless you go looking for it. But but that's about the individual's core motivations. So why they want to work in sales and what 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 they derive from being a salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, their sort of self-belief and resilience, which is about their ability then to, to bounce back from setbacks and to maintain a consistent level of performance. Yeah. Um, and also goal focus, which is about their ability to sort of plan forwards for what they're trying to achieve rather than be reactive and acting in the here and now. Yeah. Um, so that's the sort of why piece. Um, the what then is about their ability to, to sort of understand the industry that their client operates in and the, and the sort of wider themes within that industry as well as um, the client themselves um, to use that information to to drive insights that they can take to the, the, the client or the customer so to, sh- to, to to be able to show that they are um, uh, you know individuals sort of worth talking to and engaging with um, and then using that insight and information to then educate the customer and to either, present problems in a in a new light or to 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 demonstrate that they have an answer to a problem that the client hasn't even perhaps considered yet um, and then to use all of that to 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 drive the sale so to make the to, to position themselves in the in the center of the sale and to, to be that sort of trusted advisor to use a common term so that's the what piece and then the then the how is then really about the interpersonal stuff so when you are face to face with the individual whether that's you know, remotely or, or or directly, your ability to read that person accurately and to adapt and flex your own uh, behavior to build the strongest possible relationship. Um, and the other element to, to, the, to the how then is about ability to make connections both uh, internally within your own organization to, to join up that organization and to increase the value of the sale. Um, but also then to connect within the, the market in which you're operating as well so that you can generate new business. So that's a very brief run through of some of the, the sort of key behaviors that we would we would look for and that the research would say are, are kind of critical to good sales performance. And it's, it's interesting hearing you talk because this just feels very much like not, not at the level of granularity that you go to, but again, back in my recruitment days when I was recruiting, recruiting sales professionals into the IT and tech sector, some of those questions were kind of, I was asking the why, the how and the, the what, and sometimes I came across people, it's like, do you actually really want to be in sales full stop? Maybe yeah. this isn't for you. Maybe have a look at marketing, maybe have a look at, you know, ops, some, you know, something completely different. I mean, do, do you find that sometimes that, you know, you have quite, I guess, in-depth conversation with, with salespeople and you really kind of help them go, you know, then maybe this isn't yeah. for, for you. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. That's not going your failure. Sales yeah. is bloody hard work. And to your point, resilience is for me, yeah. one of the, the biggest things that you've got to be able to pick yourself up after, you know, just a bad day, a bad week, a bad quarter, because it doesn't always go your way. And you know, the one thing that I always, you know, I learned very quickly is that when someone says no, when someone hangs up on you, when someone tells you to, you know, bugger off, 99% of the time, it's not at you necessarily as an individual, it's the timing, it's the situation, they, they've had a bad day. So do, do you come across that where you actually go to people, you know what, this isn't for you. And maybe you should, you should think about a different career path. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think one of the most common things that we see are technical experts who have been promoted to mm -hmm. a point where they're now required to sell and they have a, a, a sort of sales target or sales measure over their heads where, where they perhaps haven't previously. And we see that in all sorts of different uh, industries, you know, but but broadly consulting is a, is a classic example yeah. where you've got individuals who have come into um, that profession, whether it's IT consulting or professional services or legal sector, whatever that might be, you know, they've, they've gone through education training in a very particular niche technical skill. They then are promoted through the organization because of those technical skills to the point where, you know, something like partner, for example, is, is within reach. And, and what, as soon as you become a partner, you're required to sell and develop your business and have a clear business case, et cetera. And all of a sudden, the technical skills don't really matter anymore because you've got a team who are delivering on the technical yeah. side. Your job is to go out and be the face of that business and to sell that technical specialism, whatever it is. So if you look back at those those individuals and their sort of career paths and what they came into the, into the business, into the role to do, it, it wasn't to yeah. sell. So, you know, at that point, they either adapt and thrive or or not. And, you know, part of that, I think, is the responsibility of the organisation for putting them into something that they didn't actually yeah. sign up to do. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a whole that's a whole podcast in its, in its own right <laughs> yeah. just there, Jim. So I've got a lot of views on that, but let's let's park that for another time, maybe a bit a beer in the in the <laughs> in the pub. Um, I guess but in terms of that, in all seriousness, I, I also have seen that translate into more traditional b2b when you have very good salespeople mm. then promoted into a management role yeah given any they're not even equipped or even should be in that management role yeah then that can start to cause you massive problems because you've got somebody who's very good at selling maybe cannot articulate their behaviors and process in a way that lands to the people they're managing into the, in terms of why they do certain things and then you start to open up a you know whole can of worms there yeah absolutely i mean we we see that as well and and you know we've had conversations with sales leaders who are looking for some support and and again coming back to the the sort of why what and how on one level it's quite simple it, it's well you need to replicate these behaviors in your sales teams but when you talk to people uh, who are leaders about their motivations, mm -hmm. um, actually, they don't want to lead other people in how to sell. They still want to be out in the market yeah. selling. Yeah. Um, and so what you're saying to them is actually, we don't want you to do the thing that you enjoy and that you're really good at anymore. We want you to do this other thing, which is to uh, manage a team. Uh, and suddenly they're much more internally facing they're looking inwards, not outwards, and it doesn't it doesn't drive them. So you know they 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 either end up doing something that they really don't like doing, um, or they don't do it and they just carry on the sales side, which then you know, undermines the sales team if they if they're starting to step in on this on on the meetings and claim you know claim credit for it and uh, and so on again you know yeah. back in my recruitment days this was some of the excuses I I. I I got as to why sales, you know, good salespeople were leaving their business was primarily because of management. Yeah. Um, the way yeah. they were being the way they were being being managed. It's 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 I mean, there is no simple answer in, in any of this. And I guess, you know, when we spoke, um, when we um uh, when, when we met a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, 
I think what's been interesting for me is watching the last 12 months, um, the, the, the change that's, hap that's had to happen for, ob <laughs> for obvious reasons and what that now is requiring in not only a behavior change, mm -hmm. but skill set, but dare, dare I say process, you know, going back to your point around behaviors versus um, process. So in you know, working with your client base and the research that you've seen over the last 12, 15 months in, in, you know, in the global pandemic that we still find ourselves, I'm kind of still nuts that, we, that that's even been talked about in this, uh, in this podcast 12 months on from when, um, when yeah, it's 12, pretty much 12 months on from when it's, uh, it started. What are you starting to see here in the market around all of that? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, I think our view is is maybe slightly different to, to yours in that the, the behaviours are still the right behaviours. So you still need to be able to take um, insights, present them to your clients and make yourself heard above the noise, I suppose. Yeah. The forum might be different and, um, you know, people might need some training in how to how to do that using... The, the social media that's available mm -hmm. but but essentially if you're not if you're not telling people something useful and telling telling them things that they don't already know then you, you that voice isn't going to be heard no matter how how loud you shout so um yeah it'd be interesting to hear your view on that i think so it's uh, it, it, i mean for me it's it, it's as much around the behavior change that is required to think you know, to Carol Dweck and growth set versus mindset to think differently. Again, yeah. seeing this across all, all, all industries, both professional services and, you know, traditional B2B, especially, to, you know, and it, 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 it is across all age groups. So the, the dare I say, the, the older generation, you know, boomer, um, gen, you know, what well, I'm a zennial um, uh, generation, so the Gen X kind of age, so I'm 42. Yeah. It's around, if I go back to my Michael Page days way, way back when, the process still remains in the same, I need to start a conversation with somebody to, to be able to sell them something. How did I do it back then? That was cold calling. How do I go about finding those people? You go onto LinkedIn, you start to build connections. Fast forward to today, that outcome still remains the same of what is required that needs to happen to start a sales conversation with somebody to sell them something. But for me, what has changed is not only the process fundamentally in terms of to lead gen to get to that point, but some of the behavior shifts. And it's around, if I think about some examples, you know, some large clients I've worked with in the last 12 months, it's, oh, I'm connected to them, but I have them in my email outlook or I have them in my phone. Mm. I feel connected to them. And I was able to go and meet them for a catch up coffee or sit in the reception of, you know, our big clients and spend all day there in, in the coffee shop and then just grab people as they came past. Now I can't do that. I'd never thought of social media LinkedIn as the primary kind of place in terms of that type of connection on why I should have connected behaviorally mm. with these people 12, you know, 12, you know, maybe 12 years ago, 12 months ago, 12 weeks ago, and what outcome that can then, um, then generate. You then layer on top of that, the research that you know, is out there. And this is you know, McKinsey, this is Gartner, this is Forrester. So McKinsey research, end of 2020, December 2020, they surveyed you know, three and a half thousand buyers of B2B products and services. And 15% of those respondents said they'd be happy to buy, spend over a million dollars on a product or service in a total virtual end-to-end end-to-end um, virtual environment. So yes, yeah. happy to meet in this this manner, but actually I don't need to meet people face to face anymore. 
I don't need people to get on airplanes. I don't need to pay for, you know, that doesn't need to happen because this works. If you then take the next step on that, again, what Forrester is saying is the 60 odd percent of buyers uh, can now say that they can create a shortlist of potential vendors purely from digital content, which does play into your insight piece and having a voice and rising above the, the noise. Then you play back the Gartner, the Gartner research, which is saying one in three millennial buyers. And this is the interesting thing is there's this, this change of buyer, the change of buyer profile, the behavior of how those buyers want to buy based on the environment they've grown up in. You know, one of three millennial buyers are saying they don't actually want to talk to a salesperson at all in yeah. the sales process. Now, I read that as, unless I think, I, I believe this is slightly nuanced in terms of they're happy to talk to a person as long as that person is not selling. Yes. And I see it now as your role in sales is to enable the purchase, provided you understand all the other kind of digital touch points that have happened before that conversation happens or while that conversation is happening. So that when you're talking to them, you need to understand they probably know more about what your product does than you do. <laughs> mm or how it's gonna fit into what they want to do. Because they've done the research, they'll have seen stuff online, they'll have been recommended to you. So it's now it's taking them that final 30% of the sales journey, if you will. But if you, and I, you know, starting to see is if you get on your first kind of call and you spend 55 minutes telling about your business, the background, the founders, this, that, and the demo, without you know, asking without asking any questions around, well, what do you wanna get out of today? How much you know about us already? Where do you think we kind of fit? They're going to go, well, I kind of know all this. That's why I'm not, I'm not talking to you. So for me, it comes back to the behavior of a good salesperson. I completely agree with you. Once that process, if you, if you will, of selling something has begun, that is absolutely how, the why, the what. Yeah. But for me, it's around understanding the, the, the change in how people now buy which i believe is now starting to challenge the traditional sales processes spin taz bands you know all the kind of acronyms out there that they were designed for a world which we don't find ourselves in today yet a lot of salespeople have been taught behaviors and i'm doing inverted comments mm. to almost fit that process I'll pause there and let you <laughs> unpack my soapbox diatribe monologue. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I think it's interesting because a lot of what you've said, you know, we quote in our own um, sort of research and commentary in that, you know, picking up on a few of those things, the, the idea that the buyer is 60 odd percent of the way through the purchase yeah. process before they even want to, to talk to anyone. Um, that's absolutely true. They've done their research, they've looked online, they've shortlisted maybe a few providers, and then they get in touch to, to sort of fill out any of the blanks that they may still have remaining. I think at, at, at that point, what you see then is that that's, that's the opportunity for the salesperson to sort of push and probe and challenge. Have they actually diagnosed their needs correctly? Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, you know, often that might not be the case. Yeah. Um, there's a good, um, coming back to, to, to Daniel Pink, there's a good uh, passage in, in his book, 
um, in which uh, he uses an, an example of an organization who you, they, they, their client came to them and said, this is, this is what we want. And they looked at the, the RFP and said, well, you know, if that's what you want, we're not really in the, in the best position to, to provide that. That's not really what we do, but we can help you write the RFP. Mm-hmm. They, they, they did that in conjunction with the client and then said, well, actually now, if that's what the RFP looks like, then yes, we can help. Mm-hmm. And, and surprise, surprise, they won the business from that point. So I think there is still scope and space to challenge the client and what they're thinking um is the problem because often they might misdiagnose that that issue um or not sufficiently understand the 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 product or the solution um to to be able to um you know really be clear as to what it is that they that they want so you know i think they do still value that that sort of challenge but you're right we don't need the whole piece up front about who we are and where we've come from and when we were founded and et cetera, et cetera, because of course they can see all of that on your website or other, other sources online. So yeah, I think the conversation is much more, you know, much more direct and to the point, but there's still plenty of opportunity to challenge in there. And if I think about our own conversations, you know, moving, uh, talking to, to, to new prospects or potential clients that the, the ability to, um, do that, uh, online virtually face-to-face is is has been great it's got us in front of people that perhaps would have been quite difficult to get in front of in a in a face-to-face real world environment yeah um and then of course people are time poor etc so they get to the point of as to what they're looking for but equally they don't they don't just want you to sort of sit there and, and be nodding and go great okay fine that's what you want this is how much it'll cost if you buy it from us <laughs> you know actually what we're doing there is saying well you know, this is what we've heard you tell us you want. Um, but, but what we see elsewhere in the market is, is this, you know, if it looked like this, would this, you know, is that still something that you want to explore? Or do you want to sort of start to talk about these other, other elements that we've introduced you to? And in that way, it comes back to that, what I was talking about earlier around, then you start to educate the customer um, and maybe shift some of the the needs that they may have self-diagnosed. It's a bit like, I suppose, you know, going online when you should go to the doctor, you can self-diagnose lots of problems, but you might not necessarily get it right. If you go online, if you go online to find your problems, you're basically dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. The more you search, the worse it gets. And, you know, that is one of the issues that you come across is there's almost too much information yeah. out there as well. So actually one of the roles of the of the salesperson is to help the client understand what's pertinent and what's not to their problem um, and to give some insight, not only into their own business, but, but perhaps also into their competitors. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the old bait, the old bait and switch and the RFP is a classic in the, uh, certainly the professional services consult, con, con, consulting, <laughs> consulting world. But it's, it, you know, for me, it's around this whole kind of concept of personalization at scale. I'm thinking more kind of B2B SaaS. Because again, going back to McKinsey, yeah. Um, you know, they had some research out, I think it's, where are we? So at the beginning of this year, where they analyzed 60,000 SaaS deals in the US market. And it's also the difference between the US market and I think the European, you know, um, uh, APAT markets, 60,000 SaaS deals. And I think 80% of them, the highest performing sales reps, so they all started with a cold call. And so then one would argue is that the person isn't necessarily 70% or 60% through the buying process. However, what I would agree with, they are probably aware of what's happening in, in their world and think in the next 12 to 18 months, we need to do something because I'm just seeing this conversation. And then it's around as a seller from a relevance 
perspective because you can't personalize at scale unless you're an Apple or a Spotify or, or a Facebook. We don't have the data points in B2B. We might get there, so we might get there at some point. But if you're selling to a CTO in, I don't know, FS, you know, FS for example, you should, as a salesperson, from and what your product or service does, you should know that these are typically the three main problems CTOs face at the moment in the current environment in your world. Therefore, if you can get that across in the next 30 second sales pitch in a meaningful way to pique their attention and go, yeah, you know what? I have been thinking about that. Let's then have a, have a, um, have a conversation. I still feel that still is, is relevant. That's still also relevant from, you know, the, if you look at the, the narrative coming out in kind of cold email, and this is this whole point actually that, I think the role of a salesperson in terms of behavior, the really, really good ones that I am seeing are as much salespeople, as much as marketeers, as much as content creators. And this is across all industries. Yeah. If I look at back in the day, if you said to me 20 years ago, you'd be creating content, you'd be, you know, having to do stuff. And I'd go, no, I'm, I'm a salesperson. Marketing's for the coloring department and don't go outside the, uh, don't go outside the lines. Now I'm as much focused on the content, such as this podcast that I'm creating, um, creating myself. If I look at the really good, you know, let's take professional services. So the, the role of a partner is to coin an old school phrase, rainmaker. But the ones that get it online, that have a personality, bring insights, start to create their own kind of buzz around it, will stand out above the noise will be the ones that are visible going, hey, I want to go and talk to partner XYZ because he or she is just creating really good content with some good narrative, which has helped me think differently. I now want to have a, have a conversation. The same applies in B2B you know, SaaS sales. There are some you know, SDRs, AEs out there who have a number to hit, but their management are allowing them the freedom to go out there and create unique content, which... You know, probably 12 to 18 months ago, the brand police would have had a meltdown about mm-hmm. because some of it is slightly out there. But if it's done with good context and, and a way and they can go, that's time spent doing that whilst I'm not on the phone, whilst I'm not punching out emails, whilst I'm not having call time is actually generating much more inbound sales opportunity for me then to convert into qualified pipeline. I think we are in an, in an, inter- in an inter- interesting space in, in, in this area. And I'm not saying that every salesperson should <clears throat> do this because you do see some stuff out there, which is, yeah, no, just, I know what you're trying to do and bravo for trying, but stick to the day job. But I do feel we are in this, it's really, really interesting for me just watching what's happening on, online across across the, the, the peaks in, in all of this and how, where this is all going to go from a behavior perspective, if you look at the TikTok generation, if you look at Gen Z, Gen Alpha, which is now coming, uh, coming the next generation coming through in terms of just how they, basically how they communicate with each other is not in an environment that you and I and our listeners necessarily grew up in. So get your crystal ball out, Jim, where, where, and again, based on obviously the research that you, you, you've got, where, where, do you, where do you see the role of, of sales as a person? If we accept that we don't want to be sold to, we don't like salespeople just in the round, where, where, where do we fit in this? 
That's a, that's that's a really interesting question and one that I was going to frame to you actually uh, <laughs> around the role of you go first uh, then <laughs> yeah the role of social selling you know kind of in the future I think you know it's interesting because I I read the other day and you probably know much more about this than I do that that LinkedIn is bringing that that sort of video content personal yeah. introduction to the their creator, uh, the creative profile yeah yeah which which I sort of read and it just filled me with horror if I'm honest but yeah you're <laughs> right you can see why they're doing it and to, it's to tap into all of those newer generations who are used to posting personal content online as a as a yeah. sort of habit I suppose where do I see things going? I think the salesperson still remains front and center. They're still core to the sales process. I think the the methods, the the um, you know, some of the ways in which you get in front of your clients will be different. But I, I still can't see it. I can't. I still can't see a, a world where there isn't a conversation between the buyer and the seller at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's face to face or or remotely. But I, I still think that kind of people by people philosophy is 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 still key um you know because you know you might you might be drawn towards a brand because they're the market leader but if you have a poor experience you're gonna you're still you know you're gonna think twice about going back to that organization you're gonna tell other people about your experience etc and, and those experiences are driven by people so you know i i do think that the salesperson is a, is is going to remain at the center for for a long time you might not speak to them until later down the sales process but they will they will still have the biggest impact on your decision to buy or not as the case yeah, may be. yeah. Uh, i think I, I would challenge that because i think that it will be a dictated by industry but b um I think pick up on the experience is, is a really interesting one for me because yes, there's the experience in terms of this experience in terms of the human interaction, but it's also the digital experience. Mm. You think yeah. about if you have a really poor touch point on a website, you can't find something, you can't find the information. It just, it just pisses you off, right? And it's like, well, I'm not going to, that's already impacting that kind of that early stage um, experience. On the flip side, the, when the, the, the human, the salesperson, AESDR partner, whoever, comes into that process in an ideal world they should already understand what is the digital experience that person has gone through to that point to inform them where the conversation needs to um needs to uh, to start yeah i do believe that i think the role of sales will i've already got account executives you know bdrs the name sales is, it may well uh, change and I, if you look at, and this could be maybe not, enough, maybe this could be in 10 years time I'm talking, but our risk tolerances as humans of buying things online without talking to somebody, just to challenge the people by people bit, is getting higher and higher and higher. And I can now find out, I can now buy a Volvo, you know, car as a service. I could go to Volvo, get a Volvo for a thousand pounds a month, Volvo XC90, a thousand pounds a month, delivered to my door without talking to a human being. I don't need to talk to a human being. I've done all my research. I know and trust Volvo as a brand. That's the, the, the yeah. marketing piece. I could go to LinkedIn and buy £10,000 worth of sales navigator licenses on a credit card without talking to a salesperson at LinkedIn. You look at what's happening in professional services in terms of the high value work, which is now being automated, inverted commas, and how will that change in terms of, I just need asset management support. I don't need to talk to anybody. Fine, yeah, it does what it does on the tin happy to sign off a check for $100,000 over a 12 month period because it does it does what it does because the experience the whole way through 
that journey has been um, awesome. This for me is where I think it starts to get interesting with kind of what customer success is today. Past that purchase point, mm. then when, if I think I had an experience, you know, yesterday I signed up to SurveyMonkey 12 months ago, I completely forgot I signed up to it. They then auto invoice, my, entirely my fault for not probably reading an email as a reminder for 384 quid. I was like, oh crap, I'm not gonna use this anymore. So call up the bank, no, it's pending on a debit card, you can't change it took a bit of an effort to find the form to get in touch with someone I thought here we go within probably five minutes person responded not a problem at all sir absolutely fine refunded done so now I'm going to say to anybody use even though I cancelled SurveyMonkey the experience post yeah. purchase was amazing to the point I even tweeted SurveyMonkey with the name of the customer success person going awesome service that will stick with me probably forever in terms of the human experience I had with someone even though i didn't talk to them that's why i believe that we are now in a an evolution of the entire role of sales but and you know, to your point about in the uk about it being not a profession you know, the aps i've seen the aps are now merged i think with the institute of sales managers the ism yeah yeah trying, you know in terms of trying to professionalize it again this can be a whole separate podcast because then this also starts to challenge uh, how sales, any industry, is rewarded. Because if you tell someone, if you do that, that then happens. If you don't do that, this then happens. And you've got a manager going, I need that to happen because I've got the people at the top telling me this has to happen in order for all of this to happen. That doesn't drive the overall buyer experience irrespective of what you're trying to do. And we've all been it, month end, quarter end, you know, give them a deal, cut the thing. That's why buyers wait until the end of the quarter because they know they can probably get a good deal. But then what normally happens is once that check is signed, the experience is probably pretty crappy because yeah. product team haven't been told what's been sold. Something's been overpromised for the salesperson to get the, the deal over the line because they've got management down there thinking, I need it, our numbers this month, <coughs> otherwise we're screwed, or Glen Gary, Glen Ross, third price is, you're, you know, you're fired, second price is a safe state nice, and first price is an El Dorado. Um, so, I, you know, for me, and I, you know, it's just, I think we're, for me, I think it's really exciting. I think it's really, really exciting. And what I do believe is we need to bring more of the gyms into the world to actually start looking at the psychology behind all of this and the behaviors rather than to your point seeing salespeople just as cannon, cannon fodder and replaceable and we can just churn and burn and this sits with the board for me this yeah. sits at board level ceos need to go and sit in the trenches with their sales teams on the sales floors listen to sales calls and go this is freaking hard CFOs need to do the same because I get really pissed off when I see people bashing cold callers going, oh, I just re received a really shitty call outreach. Okay, your sales team, I guarantee, are doing exactly the same thing to your customer base. So how dare you come out there and you know call out poor behavior or process when we all know the same thing is happening under their own roof? Yeah. Yeah, and and absolutely, and that's where that that's where you come back to the process. And I think if it's if it's too fixed, if it's too defined, then it doesn't give salespeople the sort of autonomy and license to bring their own personality and behaviour 
to to play and 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 I suppose that's where I come back to that whole point around people by people. If you're not if you're selling in a way that isn't authentic to you, yeah. other people can see it, they can smell it a mile off. It's obvious, you know, you're just sort of going through the motions or or following the process. I think, you know, in reality, in future, particularly in sort of high value B2B sales, you need to give salespeople more flexibility and more autonomy to be themselves and to sell in the way that is authentic to them. Um, You know, and if that's, you know, even thinking about remote and social, social selling, that isn't saying, you know, you need to post, I don't know, three blogs a week on LinkedIn. Yeah. Some people will will do that because they've got lots to say and can present it in an in, interesting and informative way. Other people, going back to that point around the technical expert, actually, they might be better off focusing on getting across some sort of technical point to their technical buyers. And that might, re, might be a less frequent, you know, bigger piece of online content. But so again, I think it, you know, it, it, it comes back to that that need to let people be let, let people be people in a sales environment i think that's awesome let people be people i think that's i think that's actually like you should you should copyright that let there are people <laughs> buy from people let people be people i think that's actually a really good way to um describe where this is all all going let people be people um if so people listening to to this mm. uh, what would be your you know if they're thinking about their own they're managing a sales team they think okay what are some of the things they should think about um doing kind of right now or maybe changing sort of the questions they, they could ask about their sales team to start to tease some of this out and then to follow that up where can people find you to learn more about what you and blue jam can do to to support them on this journey yeah, well, I, I suppose coming back to my my LinkedIn header, it's it's all about the behaviour rather than the process, and and so you may have the the most uh, amazing sales process in the world, but if you don't have the right people on the bus in the first place, then then it's not going to be executed mm-hmm. well. So we need to get the right people in place um, for your particular organisation, for your particular particular industry, and for how you how you sell, and that focuses on sales behaviour. We need to assess that sales behavior. We need to tell people where they've got strengths. We need to tell people where they need to develop or improve. And then we need to give them support to do that. Uh, and you can find out much more about how we do that on our on our website, which is bluejam.co.uk. And uh, I'm an infrequent blogger, I have to say, on LinkedIn. So uh, once in a while, you'll find a, a blog from me. Perfect. And um, I assume people listening to this, they can find you on LinkedIn, connect with you on there or send a, a, you know, a request through the, the website. I'll put all the links uh, the links uh, to that. And um, one final thing before I let you go, Jim, I'm convinced your lampshade behind your head is the same one we've got in our kitchen downstairs. I'll be looking at it going, I recognise that. <laughs> I think it's possibly from Wayfair is where we got it. I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> I always go random at the end of these. Uh, Jim, it's been uh, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your uh, your insights and knowledge uh, on this. I really do uh, uh, appreciate it. Um, let people be people. That's what uh, I will uh, post about when um, this goes uh, this goes online. But Jim, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Alex.